0: The Word of the Lord. There's incredible power in the Word of God, isn't there? It's amazing when one voice, one voice, takes up the Word of God. There's a reverberation to another, and another, and another, and another. And the Word of God is then echoing forth with the power of the multitude sharing the Word of God. That's been the heart of this series we've been involved in that we have calling Echo. It's about the reproducing of the gospel from our lives into the lives of others. We've been looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2, and I invite you to turn there if you would now, that passage in God's word, as we're thinking about our lives echoing the gospel. So if you turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and that's found on page 986 of the Bibles that are provided for you, if you'd like to use that. Our series is based on the truth, the praise, which Paul was sharing with these early believers at Thessalonica. He said in chapter one, verse eight, he said, the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you. And that, that word sounded forth" is the very word from which we get our English word echo. The word of the Lord is and has been echoing forth from you. He said, the result of that, as it's echoed forth from you, it's gone in your city, Thessalonica. Then he says, your region, Macedonia, northern Greece. Then he says, all the way down to the southern part of Greece, Achaia. And then he says, it's gone to the farthest reaches of the world. This church, very small very young in the faith was reverberating with the gospel so that locally, regionally, globally the influence of Christ was going forward. Now for the next three Sundays I want you to know That's going to be our focus here in our worship services the next two Sundays, February 21st and 28th. We are going to have our global conference. It's going to remind us about the the sending forth of the gospel across the street and around the world. And we're going to be reminded of how God is using Our lives, our ministries that we are able to be involved with to the nations of the world. And we're going to be challenged to do more than we've ever done before. That, yes, from right here, our gatherings, the 8833 Middlebrook Pike, the word of the Lord goes with us as we go out into our neighborhood, across the street, and then on mission around the world, the impact. That's February 21st and 28th. And then on March 6th, I, I do hope you'll be here with us on March 6th because on March 6th, we're gonna share about regional local impact from our body here at West Park. And March 6th, we're going to have a special time of sharing about the most significant local and regional mission initiative this church has ever undertaken, ever. 2016 has before us the greatest initiative That by the grace of God, we as a church family have ever undertaken for our city and our region. We're going to share about that on March the 6th. And I'm so excited to bring that message to you and with other of our pastors on that morning. But today, as we think about echoing the gospel locally, regionally, internationally... I want us to be reminded this morning that ultimately the influence of the gospel always begins personally, doesn't it? It always begins personally, it's always personal. And it requires this, reproducing the gospel into other people's lives and reproducing the gospel in our region and around the world Requires these two things, speaking for God and hearing from God. And that's what I want us to think about this morning as Paul shares with us. I want us to look at this one verse of scripture as we bring this series to a close this morning on echo. I want us to look at verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul writes, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Now, an echo always begins with an original sound. Every echo is a reverberation of an original sound. Every echo repeats that original sound. That's what an echo is. There's been original sound And now there's a repeating of that sound. What Paul has been doing here in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of this letter, 1 Thessalonians, he's been reminding these believers and he has been remembering himself how they responded to the original shockwaves of the gospel. The shock wave of the gospel had come to Thessalonica Where did that shock wave begin It did not begin with the apostle Paul The shock wave of the gospel began from an earthquake Or we could say two earthquakes the shock wave of the gospel goes all the way back to a Friday afternoon in the spring when the Lord Jesus gave his life on the cross and cried out, it is finished, delivered up his spirit to God. The Bible says an earthquake shook the whole region of Jerusalem. And on Sunday morning, there was another earthquake. And that earthquake shook the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding area when a tomb was emptied of a dead body. And friends, to this very hour, every single life on this planet that has been touched by the gospel goes back to the shockwave of Calvary and an empty tomb. Has that shockwave reached you? Have you ever been rocked by the reality that Christ died for you and he is risen from the dead to save your soul. Have you ever been rocked by that? I'm not asking you if you have knowledge of it, you're aware of it, but I'm asking you, have you ever been rocked so that you've never been the same since the son of God brought an earthquake into your soul? That is the gospel. That's the gospel. And that's where the echo starts, my friend. The echo goes out from that. And so I want you now to notice that Paul says, when we have experienced the shock waves of the gospel of Christ, that means two things. He says, we must be people like himself who are speaking for God And hearing from God. Speaking for God. And hearing from God. We keep the echo. We share the echo. As we speak for God. We hear from God. Now Paul says in verse 13. That he came to them speaking for God. Verse 13. And he says we also thank God that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it is, the word of God. He says, you heard the word of God from us. We spoke to you God's word. I remember many years ago when I was just first here as a pastor, somehow I was invited to be on a television program which had a panel discussing faith and current events. Faith and current events. Now, I didn't know how they got my name. Maybe they wanted a representative of the young lunatic fringe, I don't know. But they got my name and honestly, I was pretty proud about that until I found out it was gonna be broadcast at 5 a.m. on Saturday morning, and, and I hope it was a blessing to all seven people who saw it. But while we were there taping this broadcast, there were several of us there, there as representatives of the clergy, and uh, we were interacting about faith and how it, it connects to current events, and I evidently, some things I was, I was saying, was, they were frustrating, um, a member of the clergy. Because he did what a lot of members of the clergy do. He looked up and began to bump his fingers like this. Very clergy-like. <laughs> and he said, I remember, he was looking up and he said, Well, we must be careful that we don't come across as if we speak for God what he said as he was bumping his fingers. Now, what went through my mind was, you don't have to worry about that because you don't. (laughs) That that was right there, but it uh, (laughs) clamped it down. (laughs) But here's what I did say. I said, and I I tried to say graciously, I said, dear friend, that's exactly who I speak for. That's what we're supposed to be doing, speaking for God. Now, friends, there's, listen, there's all the difference in the world in speaking as God and speaking for God. We don't speak as God. The most fundamental truth you'll ever learn in your life is this. There is a God and I'm not him. It all starts there. We don't speak as God, but every Christian, not just pastors, missionaries, every Christian is to speak for God. We are ambassadors for Christ. The gospel is all about speaking for God. I hope we understand, folks, you cannot be a gospel Christian and not speak for God. You cannot fulfill what the Lord wants you to do. You cannot do what you're on this planet to do as a Christian unless you speak for God. Because the truth is, what I think, what you think, really doesn't matter. It's what our Lord says. And we are to speak that truth in love. Now, Paul is rejoicing here how he spoke for God, and he's rejoicing, they listen. But now, friends, what I want us to do is recognize that we have the privilege and the empowerment in a sense to do exactly what Paul did speaking for God. Now, there are four truths here I want you to see very quickly about speaking for God. And Paul shares these truths. There are four principles. Number one, the first principle is revelation. He says, he spoke the word of God. Revelation means to reveal. It means God has revealed his thoughts. He's revealed himself. Here's a question. A question about a question. Do you know what the first question is in the Bible? And do you know who asked the first question recorded in the Bible? The first question in the Bible was a questioning of God's revelation. And the question came from Satan in the form of a serpent. When he said to Eve in the garden, has God said, you shall not eat of the tree? He questioned God's revelation. Has God said. And how things would have been different if Eve and Adam had said, yes, that's exactly what he said and stood on that. Friends, there is a God. The first phrase in the Bible, how does the Bible open? In the beginning, God. God doesn't try to prove his existence. God declares his existence. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God. What's Genesis 1, 2? And God said, let there be light. What do we learn from the opening sentences of the Bible? There is a God and he is not silent. The God of heaven and earth is not silent. He speaks. He is a speaking God. He reveals himself. God speaks. There's many ways that God speaks. God speaks in creation. The Bible says you look around you and the heavens declare the glory of God. The Bible says God has spoken Not just through creation, he's spoken through the incarnation. He has come in the flesh. That's what incarnate means. God has come in the flesh in the body of Jesus of Nazareth. What does it say of Jesus? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the one and only Son of God. God is a speaking God. He speaks through creation. He speaks through the incarnation of Jesus. But now, folks, what Paul is saying is God speaks through inspiration. Inspiration. Notice what he says. You heard this from us. The word of God, which you have heard from us. Now, this is very important. Paul is claiming here that as an apostle, when he speaks, he speaks with the authority of God. And the word that he created, Paul actually created a word to describe that. He calls it inspiration, inspired in 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, Paul's writing to the young pastor, Timothy, and he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. He created the word. The word is theonustos. God breathed, that the scripture is breathed. Paul saying that the apostles were being borne along by the Spirit. They were being inspired by God. The Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 that he, like the other prophets and apostles, are being borne along by the Spirit of God, so that what they said and wrote was the word of God. And I love this passage later in 2 Peter. Paul, uh, Peter refers to Paul's writings. And you know what he says? He says, our beloved brother Paul has written of these things, and then he says in parenthesis, in which all of his writings are things hard to understand. And when I always chuckle when I read that and go, Whew. if Peter had a hard time understanding Paul, <laughs> no wonder I'm not getting some of it. But then this is what Peter said next. He said, Paul has written things hard to understand He said, but there are ungodly and unlearned people who twist his words as they do all the scriptures. Peter said that when Paul wrote, he was writing the scriptures. God has revealed himself through the apostles and through the words of, that he shared through them and through their writings. And with that revelation from God, by the inspiration of God, comes this that Paul says, he had and now we have, there's authority. There's authority. He said, you heard it for what it really is. You heard the gospel, you heard our message for what it really is, the word of God. Paul claimed divine authority for what he was sharing. Now, it was delegated authority from God. He didn't start the echo. The echo started with the first sound of the Jesus Christ and his truth. The truth of scriptures comes from our Lord, but he has authority delegated to him to say, this is what God says. You know what the Bible says over 4,000 times? To this effect, the Bible says, thus says the Lord 4,000 times. This is what God has to say. Now, friends, today, we don't have apostles. As far as we know, the last of the apostles, the apostle John, died at the very end of the very first century We have no apostles. I thought it was very interesting. This week there was a historic meeting. Did you read about it? Hadn't been a meeting like it in a thousand years. The Pope met with the leader of the Russian Orthodox Church. The, The Pope, who is considered the Bishop of Rome... The West met with the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church, considered the leader of the Eastern Orthodox Church. There hadn't been a meeting since 1054. 1054. Now, interesting where they met communist Cuba but why did they separate in the first place why did eastern Christendom and western Christendom divide the divide started over this who is the successor to the apostles is the successor to the apostles the bishop of Rome or is the successor to the apostles the bishop of Constantinople that's what the divide happened over. And friends, listen to the answer. Neither one of them. Amen. Neither one of them is the successor of the apostles. There is no apostolic succession. What we have is not apostolic succession. Listen carefully. What we have is apostolic possession. We possess the faith of the apostles. We possess the faith of the New Testament, which has been handed down to us and we don't have apostles or need apostles to authenticate it. It is the word of God given to us. Amen. Now, that's our authority. We don't have to look to authority to a human representative We look to our authority from God himself, through his word, that's where we look. And now friends, I want you to understand something. With this authority, with the ability that we all have, think about it, to say, thus says the Lord. You don't have to check with Sam Paulson. You don't have to check with denominational headquarters. You don't have to check with a pastor, priest, bishop, archbishop, pope, or patriarch. The word of the Lord. With this authority comes great responsibility. Great responsibility. He says, you heard it. From us. Why did Paul. Go there in the first place. Because he had a responsibility. You know what Paul says about himself. After he met. The Lord Jesus. And was converted. He says this about his life. In the book of Romans chapter one. He says this. I am a debtor to all people, a debtor to the Jews and the Gentiles. I'm a debtor of the gospel. I have a debt to pay. The Lord Jesus has entrusted me with the gospel and I have a debt for the rest of my life to share this good news. And friends, if you're a Christian, you have a debt you will never repay. You have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to everybody who does not know Jesus, we are their debtors. They're not indebted to us. The world's not indebted to the church. The church is indebted to the world to give the gospel. Paul said, I'm a debtor. He says, I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried. He rose again the third day. He says, I've delivered this to you. I must deliver it to you. And he told his associates, he says, you've got to deliver it too. He said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2, Timothy, the things that you have heard from me, you commit those same things to faithful people who will be able to teach others all Also, you've got to do this. You've got to entrust it to others. Paul is saying that to Timothy. But friends, listen. Listen carefully. We have the same responsibility to pass it on. Who are you sharing the word with? Who are you entrusting? Who are you communicating what you are receiving from the Lord? What's been given to you by others? How are you passing that on? That is how the gospel is reproduced. We have responsibility. Now, Paul says, I had the responsibility of speaking for God. And he said, now the word is sounding forth from you. You are speaking for, for God But what I want us to think about just for a few minutes is this. Speaking for God requires hearing from God. You can't speak unless you know the message. You can't speak unless you have listened yourself. So hearing from God. I want to ask you this. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and while you're talking to them... You can see it in their eyes. They are ignoring you. (laughs) They're ignoring you. Have you ever had that you're talking to someone and looking at them, you know in their mind they're they're saying, are you still talking? (laughs) Or maybe, have you ever had this? You're speaking and somebody is just enduring what you're saying. They're just enduring it. I know what that feels like. Sometime. How long? You know, when will this persecution be over? You know, it's like an old Johnny Cash song. I'm stuck in Polson's prison. Okay. Time keeps dragging on. But I'll ask you this. Have you ever been talking to someone and they're not ignoring and they're not enduring but they're inviting? Whoa. You can see it. Tell me more. I, I want to hear that. Help, help me understand that. Friends, the difference from just enduring the word and inviting the word is the difference between a stressed life and a blessed life. A stressed life is a self-focused life. I used this illustration last week. If you weren't here, let me explain it to you. This is how most people live their lives on this planet. And sadly, there are many who say they're believers who live this way, that they're the center of their life. They're the center. Home, family, spirituality, career, health, finances, friends, they, they, they figure that all out. They, they cut that pie how they want to cut that pie Uh, It's all about what they want to do in any of those areas. That's, That's their responsibility. And they're in charge of that. They figure that out. And you know what the result of that is? See the arrows? Stressed out. Pride, me in the center, leads to pressure. Because it's all on me. But that's not the way we're called to live. Jesus said, I want you to take up the easy yoke. The burden that is light. And have rest for your souls. How do you have a life like that? Like this. You have a Christ-focused life. You see Christ as the... You see him as the hub of your life. The center of your life. And so all these areas of your life... Jesus is not excluded from any of them. He's in your education. He's in your family. He's in your spirituality. He's in your career, your friends, your finances, your health, your recreation. Jesus is just, he's part of that. And notice the arrows go out because when Jesus is in those areas of your life, he overflows in those areas of your life so that you have impact through your finances that are Christ-centered. You have impact through your career that is controlled by Christ. You're impacting others when you're at school, in your home, when you're having recreation. You're impacting people because Christ is flowing through all of that. You, you find you following me here? It's going out from you. Now, how does that happen? Dial in right now, just for a couple minutes. I want the Lord in the center of my life. I want the Lord balancing my life. I want that. How do I get that? Like this. The word in the center of your life. The Christ-focused life Is a word centered life. Colossians 3, verse 16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, overflowing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, overflowing, use this illustration, the word of Christ overflowing into your health, overflowing into your finances, the word of Christ overflowing into your career. Do you know how Jesus described it? Wouldn't you you like to hear from Jesus how you have a Jesus-centered life? Doesn't that make sense? That Jesus tells you how you have a Jesus-centered life? Here's what he said. John chapter 14, verse 21. He said, if you hear my words and you keep them, the idea is you treasure them. Treasuring and obeying, he said, here's what's going to happen. I am going to come to you. My father is going to come to you and we are going to make our home inside of you. God at home in your heart. Jesus at home in your heart. How does Jesus get at home in your heart? As you treasure his word. Now let me just give you an illustration. Maybe help. Help get a picture of this. Let's say I come visit your house. Just as I'm about to ring the doorbell next to the front door, I see a sign that says, silence is golden. I go, oh, that's nice. Huh. You open the door. Hey, Sam, how are you? Come on in. Glad to have you here, Sam. Come on in. I come in. I sit down. I notice there's a little print on the wall that says, do not disturb. Oh. I noticed next to me here on the coffee table as a little sign. It says, keep quiet. Another one over here, it says, silence. And I'm sitting there in your living room and I say, well, you know, I was just in the neighborhood. You say to me, oh, well, I wanted to follow up. I don't understand. Shh. Sh- 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 what would I do? Well, I'm not exactly sure what I might do, but I, I would get up, and I would say, "Okay," and I would leave. And you take me out to the front porch. You say, "Come again, Sam. Been wonderful having you here. Bring Susan next time." Love having you. Thank you. You say, that is stupid, Sam. That's a silly, that's silly. It's not nearly as silly as people who go to church on Sunday sing songs about Jesus being all to them. Listen to messages about Jesus being the center of your life. And then as they go through the week, when it comes to their job, they say, Shh, Jesus. When it comes to your college plans, Shh. shh, shh Jesus. When it comes to what you're going to do with your Finances or your record, shh, shh, Jesus. How ridiculous it is to be so deceived to think that Christ can be the center of your life when you don't want to listen to his word. Right here. Right here. Thus says the Lord. This is Jesus speaking. Do not deceive yourself. If you do not want to read this word and heed it, you do not want Jesus in your life. Just get honest. If you want to know what Jesus has to say about your finances, it's it's right here. You want to know what he wants you to do with your career, it's right here. You want to know what Jesus says about being a son or a daughter or a grandfather or a father or a mother, it's right here. You want to know what Jesus desires about how you interact with your neighbors, your family, it's right here. Don't come to church on Sunday and then, shh, Jesus all day, all week long. Friends, anybody can read the Bible. And you know what? If you can't read, that's nothing to be ashamed of. But I want to tell you, there's CDs everywhere in the Bible. There's no reason for anyone who is here this morning not to be able to say, this is what God says." And to have Jesus guiding your life. To hear the word of the Lord. And why is that? This isn't a burden. Do we have anything to fear from the God who gave Christ for us? Do we have anything to fear from Jesus being the center of our life when he took up the cross for us? No. He loves us. He wants what's best for us. He wants us to have the easy yoke and the light burden. He wants us to have peace in our heart and power in our lives. And that comes from the echo of his word reverberating in our heart. What happens when, that, when you have this echo? Well, our time is gone. Please don't. Close up, or I'll have to scold you like I did last Sunday. When the word of Christ is dwelling in your heart, look at chapter 1, verse 6. There's imitation. You become imitators of the followers of Christ. There's transformation. Chapter 1, verse 3. Labor of faith, work of love, endurance of hope. There's affirmation. Chapter 1, verse 5. You have conviction. Chapter 1, verse 6, there's celebration. You have joy in the Holy Spirit. Chapter 1, verse 7, there's presentation. As you become an example for others by the word of Christ in your heart, there becomes proclamation. You start sharing it. Chapter 1, verse 8, there's liberation. You turn from your idols and you serve the living God. And there's expectation. Verse 10, you're looking for Jesus to come. In chapter 2, verse 14, there's also going to be tribulation. As we follow Christ, we're going against the world. But you know, when you follow Christ, wherever he leads you, there may be tribulation, but there's glorification, right? Philippians 1, it has been given to you, not only to believe in Christ, but to also suffer for his sake. It has been given to us the privilege of not only believing Christ, believing in Christ, but to suffer for his sake. Friends, I want to tell you, why do we listen to the word of God? Why do we follow hard after Jesus? Why do we willingly endure persecution if it comes? Listen carefully. Because he's worth it, right? Because he's worthy. He's worth it. Let's stand. I want us to sing of the worth of Jesus as we bring to a close this worship. I want us to worship the Lord The name of Jesus, all hail the power of Jesus' name. Amen? I hope you'll sing it with your heart. Let's close in proclamation. Let's let the word sound forth from us. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let's sing it to the Lord.